Hello, and welcome to another great message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Thanks for joining us today. For notes and video related to this message, please visit www.parkviewchurch.org. Today is the final message on the Beatitudes. So this is number eight of the eight, and uh, so I'm super excited to end it, and yet it's, it's the one that makes the least amount of sense to me. And yet, let me remind you that every Christian is to manifest every single one of these character qualities expressed in the Beatitudes, but it can't be done in the power of the flesh. It has to be done in the power of the Spirit, and they're intended to show us how we are to live as believers in the kingdom of God. So what I would like for us to do one last time is stand up together, and we're going to read the ones we've covered so far, the first seven, and then we're going to pause, and then we're going to read the one for today, number eight. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Those are the first seven. Those are the ones that we've covered today. Now, when we look at the eighth one, it's going to be different. Just see if you can see what's different about this eighth one. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay, thank you. You can go ahead and have a seat. When I first started reading this, I thought this eighth beatitude makes very little sense to me at all, especially in light of the first seven Beatitudes. Because why would anyone want to persecute the poor in spirit? I mean, the poor in spirit don't seem like candidates for persecution. Or what about about those who are mourning? Those who are mourning certainly don't seem like troublemakers who would incite persecution. And the meek, why? The, The meek would pose no threat. To anybody. They, they wouldn't lord it over anybody or the broken-spirited who hunger after righteousness. They're not looking for power. They're not looking for fame. Why would anybody want to cause them trouble? Or, or the, the merciful or the peace-loving, honestly, they're going to be persecuted? So when I first read this, I think it just doesn't add up. I mean, let's face it. You read those first seven beatitude people should be applauded, not persecuted. And yet Jesus predicted that it was going to be those kind of people who would demonstrate the the virtues of those first seven beatitudes. They would end up being persecuted, made fun of, harassed, mocked, bullied, And Jesus didn't say, blessed if you're persecuted, it's blessed when. And that was the case. This passage says specifically that was the case of the prophets. 
That was certainly the case of the disciples. All of them died very vicious, violent deaths. And the last one, John, died a, a prisoner in, on the Isle of Patmos. When you read the Apostle Paul, especially in 2 Corinthians 11, here he received five times the 39 lashes. And, and most people going through it once could kill him. And he did it five times. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned. Uh, he, was, he went through uh, shipwrecks and all kinds of harassing, not only from the Jews, but from the Gentiles as well. Uh, families rejected members of their own family, brother against brother. And the, the, the very faith that was designed to bring people back into relationship with God and therefore back into relationship with one another, as Jesus put it, oftentimes brought not peace, but brought a sword. So at first glance at this final beatitude, it just doesn't make a lot of sense until we look at Jesus, the perfect picture of submission, the perfect picture of mercy and goodness who manifested every quality of the Beatitudes. Without a doubt, the most loving, generous, merciful, kind, compassionate person who ever walked the face of the earth was put to death on a Roman execution rack by religious and political authorities. But what they intended to be harm ended up for our good and our eternal salvation. And what Jesus experienced in a small way, we are told by the Apostle Paul, we are told by Jesus in the Beatitudes, we will experience some of this as well. Indeed, Paul says, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that certainly has happened in many different forms over the years. I mean, you think back uh, over the centuries following the life of Christ, probably the one century, or, or the, the, yeah, the, the one century, the 20th century, more than any other centuries, saw more believers persecuted and martyred for their faith than any other century, the 20th century. This took place not only in countries like Uganda and China and Russia and Romania and Africa and the Philippines and Cuba and the Middle East and, and Central America. It's, it's happened all over the place. I remember back in the, in the 80s when I, was first, when I first started reading about how many people were persecuted. I remember we went through, you, some of you might remember, if you follow the stock market at all, you might remember. Monday. Do you remember Black Monday? It was, I think, 1987. The stock market fell more than any other time in history other than uh, Black Friday when the, when the market, when, the, when it started the Great Depression in the 29, 1929. It fell 22.6% in one day. And we had stockbrokers jumping out of windows committing suicide. And that, that took place in the 80s. But, you know, and people in America... If you're attuned to that, you probably still remember uh, Black Monday. And yet, just two years prior to that, the Peruvian government uh, martyred 35,000 Christians, lost their lives. 
and yet, you know, we're consumed with the stock market, and yet, I mean, the graves haven't even covered over with bushes yet. 35,000 believers were martyred by the Peruvian government. And about the same time, 300, later than that, but 300 pastors in Central America were gathered together and tortured and killed for their faith. And that's Central America. You could drive a car there from here. Most of this kind of extreme persecution we cannot identify with. You know, thank God. Thank God we can't identify with that. But we can identify with a lot of other kinds of persecution or the reviling, or it could be easily translated intimidation, harassment, mockery, bullying would be another way to translate this. Matter of fact, I was shocked just just this past, I think it was the past week, I'm not sure, quite sure, there was a young, a young girl, 15 years old, that didn't live very far from here, a believer in Jesus Christ, a member of a church, 15 years old, she took her life by hanging herself. And in one of the posts talking about her life, talked about how through her life she was bullied, 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 made fun of, mocked, ridiculed, etc. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we're not going through this extreme persecution where we'll lose our lives, but I'll bet you many of you here this morning have been bullied. Many of you have been mocked. Many of you have been harassed. Many of you have been made fun of and belittled. If so, this passage will speak to you. Many of you have gone through times uh, of maybe natural consequences where you're experiencing things from the natural world. This passage will speak to you as well. You know, it's amazing to me of all the Beatitudes, there's more space given to this one Beatitude than any others. And this, out of all the eight Beatitudes, this is the only one that Jesus personalizes. Did you catch it? Instead of blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, it's blessed are you. Did you catch that over and over and over? Blessed are you, you, you. The first seven Beatitudes, Jesus describes the character of the person who follows him. In this eighth Beatitude, Jesus describes the character of the world and how it treats the person who follows Jesus. I am so thrilled that Jesus tells us the truth. He just tells us the truth. If you put your faith, your trust in me, you're probably going to go through some very, very difficult times. You're going to go through some times, maybe it's persecution, maybe it's harassment, maybe it's ridicule, maybe you'll be bullied in life. Um, I had a, a young person who came up to me after the first service and said, Jeff, thank you so, so much for helping me walk through this. So the outline is very simple, what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the reality of harassment or persecution. We're going to talk then about the why, what's the reason behind it. And then thirdly and most importantly, and this will apply to everybody, whether it's persecution, harassment, bullying, or you've just, maybe your house was just swept away by a flood. How do you respond 
to this? How do you respond to this? So the reality is simple. Blessed are you when, not if, when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Jesus is just predicting this tough time for beatitude people. He's not predicting it for religious people. He's predicting it for beatitude type people. I mean, the honest truth is a lot of times religious people deserve being harassed. They deserve a little persecution. I mean, they're the ones walking around with a match in one hand and gasoline in the other hand and just causing more needless problems and inciting issues more than anybody else. I mean, they're the lapel grabbers and the condemners who are constantly on people's cases. He's not talking about them. He's talking about the beatitude people, not the self-righteous people, but those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What's the reason for it? What's the reason? Why? Why do people get on the case of those living righteously? Well, first of all, beatitude people are just different people. They, they march to a different drummer. They march to a different set of standards. They have different values. They have a different worldview. They march to the cadence of an author, authoritarian truth, authoritative truth called the very Word of God. And a lot of times, even if we mention that, we're ridiculed and made fun of. And some people, folks, just cannot tolerate others who have a different view of life. And I just, I think of young Sadie, I think of this little 15-year-old girl who hangs herself because others just didn't like the fact that she was so different. Well, Beatitude people are different. Secondly, it's because Beatitude people are accessible. Listen, people didn't like Jesus. It's the shock of all shocks. How could they not? But they didn't. And if they didn't like Jesus, they're not going to like you. Well, they can no longer get to Jesus, but they can get to you. That's what Paul talks about in Colossians 1. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh, I am now filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. In other words, they can't get to Jesus, but I rejoice in the fact that that I can take some of the blows that were intended for Jesus for the sake of his church. Now, I want to make something very clear. What I'm not, when I'm talking about persecution, I am not talking about punishment There is a huge difference between persecution and punishment. They're not the same. We're told very specifically in 1 Peter 4, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. You see, punishment is what just people give to those who are evil or who do something that's wrong. Persecution is is what evil people do to those who are good. Do you see that there is a massive difference between punishment and persecution? And yet our response can be exactly the same. There are so many times, folks, you know, we raise six kids. 
Cheryl and I absolutely adore our kids. We love our kids. I, I would die. I would not hesitate a thousandth of a second to put my life on the line for my kids. And yet they constantly needed discipline. They needed punishment. And that's the very word. Paideia is the word for discipline or punishment. They constantly needed it. Why? Because I love them so much. That's why they were punished. Punishment is what just people give to those who do what's wrong, to do what's evil. Our government and government authorities are put in a position where the Bible even calls them servants of God, where they mete out punishment or consequences for when we do what's wrong. That's not persecution, but I'll guarantee you when we punished our kids, especially our boys, they called it persecution. Dad, why are you persecuting? I'm not persecuting you. I'm punishing you. Um, thirdly, beatitude people, the uh, third reason uh, for people unloading on you is because Beatitude people shine light in the darkness. Folks, this is exactly why people didn't like Jesus, because Jesus was the light of the world, and Jesus exposed the darkness. Matter of fact, John 3.16, a very famous verse in in our Bible, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Just a few verses later, um, Jesus says that men love the darkness more than the light because their deeds were evil. And so they were, they thrashed out against anything that exposed the darkness. Let me ask you, has anybody, anybody ever walked into your room, you're sound asleep, and they just turn the light on? Doesn't it make you just want to knock them in the head? <laughs> I mean, has that ever happened to you? It just, it's infuriating. You're sound asleep instead of, oh, it's time to wake up. Just flick the light on. You know, and that's what people just lash out when the light is turned on. And people lashed out at Jesus because his light was so, so bright. Because men love darkness more than the light. So the more Christ-like you are, the more darkness is, the more the darkness is going to hate you or turn against you or minimize you. The Apostle Paul puts it in a different way in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Instead of using the imagery of light, he uses the imagery of smell. He said, okay, so for some, to those who are being saved, your life is like a sweet-smelling aroma to those who are being saved. But for those who are running away from the truth, your life is the stench of death. So it's either light or darkness. It's either a good, your life is either a good smell or a bad smell. Uh, Dr. Meyer and Minrath, they were two professors. They were both psychiatrists, both taught at Dallas Theological Seminary. Wonderful men of God, just, just incredible amounts of Scripture memorized. Both of them are just incredible guys. Uh, they have clinics in Chicago, uh, New York, California. And uh, I remember uh, Dr. Meyer was discipling me and Dr. Meyer said this. He said, it was a small group of guys. He said, look, if you're a believer, he said, most people, you can count on 
at least 80% of people not liking you. He said, especially if you're a Christian, just count on 80% of people not liking you. But then he said this. He said, but the more like Christ you become, that number will only go up because that light will be so convicting. He didn't say that, but it, that, that's the reason why you're light. But yet, in the passage we're looking at today in Matthew 5, just a few verses later, it says, you're the light of the world. I mean, after talking about the persecution, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. So if your light is shining on a hill, you're going to be harassed and persecuted. And, and you might say, but Jeff, I'm not experiencing any of that. I'm not experiencing harassment or persecution. Nobody's bullying me. Well, I'll give you a couple of reasons it might not be happening. I mean, I'm not, I don't know for sure, but it might not be happening because really there's not a lot of difference between your life and the life of those you're hanging around with. Now, it might be because you're living in a Christian bubble. Now, that could be true, especially for people who have been a Christian a long time, unless you're intentionally developing relationships with those outside of the faith. Uh, obviously, when we first become a Christian, that's all we know are people who aren't Christians, and so our lives rub up against people continually. And yet, after we're a Christian for a long time, we go to church, you know, we're in our Christian bubbles, we go to church, we're in our Christian bubble, if we go to the Bible study, we're in our Christian bubble, if we're in our, go to our community group, et cetera. That's one of the reasons in our community groups we're urging people, to, you know, to, to reach out uh, and have an impact on those who don't know Christ. Well, what's my response? What's my response to harassment and persecution? How do I respond? In any of these cases, whether or not I'm being bullied, how do I respond if... Uh, if even if I'm being punished for all the right reasons now, it's not that somebody's persecuting me. I'm being punished because I was stupid. I did something wrong. Uh, how do I respond? How do I respond if I'm just, say, my house burns down to the ground or, or the church gets flooded? How do I respond to that? How do I respond? And all our response is the same, no matter if it's persecution or harassment or bullying or, or being punished or, or just going through some, some a tornado or whatever. How do you do? Number one, you recognize what's the source of it. What is the source? Now, if your house just got flooded or your house burned down or you went through a tornado or a hurricane, you think of Katrina and all the people that went through that, you might say, well, the source, the source is we live in a fallen world and our creation groans to be released from this curse. So you go, okay, well, it's just part of living in a, in a fallen world. Or if it's punishment, I did something stupid and now I'm getting punished. I, I, I went 75 and a 55, and I got a ticket. I, I was dumb. I was stupid, and now I'm being punished for it. How do I respond to that? Or if, I, if it's persecution, how do I respond? Understand the source. In this case, in persecution, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in, in the heavenly places. So let's say you're a parent. And um, I really want to get to you. Say I'm the devil and I want to get to you. you know, I'll tell you how I'm going to do it. I'm going to get to your children. That's how I'm going to get to you. I'm going to get to your kids. And that's exactly, the devil can't get to God. So he does, okay, how can I get to God? I'm going to get to his children. That's how I'll do it. And that's why in Revelation 12, he's called the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the brothers. So... Uh, 
number one, no matter what you're going through, recognize what, what's the source of it? What's the source of it? Number two, refuse, in any of these cases, refuse to retaliate. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. You know, if you get a ticket for speeding, you don't tell off the, the policeman. You don't tell off your teacher if you get punished for not doing your homework. That's not persecution. That's you being stupid. Uh, if it is persecution, repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, even if you're being bullied, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So if you walk with integrity and blamelessly, uh, Jesus is telling you that uh, people, people are just, they'll make up stuff about you. They're going to insult you and discredit you and tell lies about you and mistreat you and bully you. But, but Jesus never retaliated. He never did. He's on the cross dying at the hands of Roman executioners. And what does Jesus say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Thirdly, and again, all these Beatitudes take the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it naturally. The third one is respond. It's not just don't retaliate now. It's it's something that comes out externally, and then we're going to look at internally. Externally, respond positively to them. Now, this will require the Holy Spirit. Resp require, uh, respond positively. Don't overcome, don't be overcome by evil, but positively overcome evil with good. What's the normal reaction if somebody puts you down? What's your normal reaction? Say your wife puts you down or your husband puts you down or, your, or somebody in class puts you down. What's your normal reaction? I'm going to get this sucker. You know, you just unload on them. You know, I'm going to get to that guy. I'm going to show him a thing or two. Just write this one down. Actually, you don't have to. It's already written down in your notes. But... Uh, you never get ahead while you're trying to get even. Once you start reacting, you are no longer in control. The Holy Spirit's not in control. You're not in control. The person you're reacting to is now in control. The bully is now in control. Once you start reacting. The persecutor is now in control. Once you start reacting. So how do you respond positively? Matthew 5, the same chapter, Matthew 5, 44. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Now, I'm going to take you to, that's the critical text, the ESV, the NIV, the New American Standard. They're all the critical texts. I want to take you to my favorite version, even though it's more difficult to read, uh, the King James Version or New King James Version, which is the Textus Receptus. Now, I'm going to read to you the Textus Receptus, the same verse. But I say to you, same passage, I say to you, 
And the reason I'm doing it, because it, it helps you to understand what does it mean to respond positively to a bully or to a harasser or to a persecutor? It, it gives us more meat. But I say to you, love your enemies. Listen, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to them that despitefully use you or hate you. Pray for them or pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And then I'm going to add one more, forgive them. So what do you do? How do you respond positively to somebody like this? You love them. You bless them. You do good to them. You pray for them. And you forgive them. That's responding. It's not just don't retaliate. It's positively love, bless, do good, pray, forgive. Fourth, we're going from external to internal. Externally, there are things you do to respond positively. Internally, you have a change of heart. You rejoice over it. That's what Matthew 5, 12, that's what this verse says to, to do when you're being persecuted. Rejoice and be glad. Something's got to happen internally. And you're going, oh, great. Oh, Jeff, this is wonderful. I get persecuted, I get bullied, and now I get to be a masochist. I, I get to be like one of those... those um, Monks, you know, who would flagellate themselves, you know, and just beat themselves. No, that's not at all what it's saying. He's not saying to rejoice and be glad in the pain. It's not what he's saying. What he's saying is you rejoice and be glad when you have the privilege of responding like Jesus. That's what you're internally rejoicing over. You get to be just like Jesus. Now, why should I rejoice over that? Can you give me one good reason, Jeff? No, but I can give you three. Three good reasons why you should rejoice. Number one, it means that God's Spirit can be seen at work in your life. 1 Peter 4, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of God, of glory, and of God is resting on you. Secondly, it means that I'm in good company and that God can trust me. Acts 5, the apostles left the high council. I mean, this, this is after they're going through a tough time. Rejoicing. That's internal. Rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. I mean, you think of how many people we admire. You know, in the New Testament, th that's why they talk about the prophets of old, because they admired them. They, they admired them. Um, you, you think of us. I mean, we, we, we look at people like Martin Luther, what he went through for the faith. I mean, we admire that. And so when we go through a little of the same stuff, we're in good company. Not just Martin Luther. Think of Martin Luther King. I mean, there is not a city in the United States that doesn't have some boulevard named after Martin Luther King. 
because he was such an inspiration to people. And he was killed. He was persecuted, reviled and persecuted for Christ's sake. Abraham Lincoln, you know, he was mocked at, scoffed at, ultimately assassinated. Folks, it's just in the, in the United States of America, uh, we have it pretty easy being a Christian. For most of us, we don't experience that life-threatening persecution. Uh, we are made fun of, we're mocked, we're ridiculed, we're, we're bullied. Um, and the honest truth is, if you're here and you're considering being a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to know that this will, it says when it happens, not if, but, but when. And the, the more you follow, the more you live out those first seven Beatitudes in the power of the Holy Spirit, the more likely something is going to be, uh, some of this could be true in your own life. You know, I was, I was just looking at, at my close friends here from Korea, um, J.Y. and Dok Ye. Um, you know, you, th you think of the Korean church, probably the, probably the most vibrant church in the entire world today, without a doubt the largest church in the world today is the Christian church in Korea. But the Christian church in Korea was built upon the blood of martyrs. I mean, tens of thousands of, of Christians gave their lives following Christ. Thirdly, rejoice over it. Uh, it proves the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. We're in good company. And just remember, it's only temporary. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now, how long are we going to live here on earth? I don't know. You know, if, if, if I were speaking at the time of the Roman Empire, I would say, you know, the average... The average guy in this auditorium will live till he's about 23, 24, 25 years of age. That's the average Roman lived into their 20s. You know, maybe for us it's 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and maybe a few here might get over 100. I don't know. Uh, maybe say 100 years, but we'll spend hundreds of thousands, no, millions of years reaping the rewards. So what's more important? I mean, it's just, it's temporary. Just, I think we need to look at life like that at all. There, there's so much in life that we spend so much of our discretionary time, discretionary money going after the pursuit of things. You know, the stereos and the cars and the houses and the hobbies and all this stuff. And folks, it's just not going to last. It's just not going to last. Um, and yet, I, I know you've heard it. What's going to last? It's, it's not the pursuit of things. It's only what's done for Christ will last. It's those things that go into eternity. It's those things that we ultimately get rewarded for that last. So, and that's the fifth what is our response? Recognize the source. Refuse to retaliate. Respond positively. Love. Do good. Bless. Pray for. Forgive. Then 
Rejoice, rejoice. And then remember your reward, 512. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. A great reward. Romans eight seventeen. Now if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. Indeed, we share in his sufferings in order that we may share, that we get to share in his glory. And you say, Jeff, what does that mean? We get to share in his glory. Honestly, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't, don't know. I've read a bunch of stuff, but I, I don't know what it means. I can just tell you what I picture in my mind. I picture in my mind when I was a little boy, my parents would take me downtown. The most special treat in the world was go downtown New Orleans to the Sanger Orleans. And the Sanger Orleans is this beautiful movie theater, and we'd go see some famous movie. And they'd have this giant marquee outside, you know, and say, now starring, you know, in this, all these lights. And I can, I could just see it right now. Now starring um, for all eternity, Jesus Christ, and co-starring, and just put your name in there. You know, that, that's the picture that I have in my mind, that, that we get to share in his glory. Uh, the, uh, the point is not so much to describe what it is. I think the point more than anything is, is just to say that the rewards for following Jesus are far more, far better than you could ever possibly imagine. Matter of fact, Jesus put it this way just a couple chapters later from where we are right now. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake will receive, what's the next word? That you'll receive, what's the next word? Is it up there? A hundredfold is the word. A hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Anybody here work in a bank? Anybody works in a bank in here? No? I, I can't tell. I mean, for, for a checking account or a savings account or a money market account, what kind of interest rate return would you say is pretty good? 1%? I mean, 2%? You'd be doing pretty good if you got 2% in a savings account. I mean, if you're into stocks and all that stuff, I mean, what would be a good rate of return if you were a stock investor for a year? 10%? 15, 20, 30? It sounds pretty good, right? This is a hundredfold increase. Not a hundred percent return. That's if you invest a dollar, you get two dollars. This is a hundredfold. That's a 10,000 percent return. I mean, would you be okay with a 10,000 percent return? I'd be okay with that. I would be thrilled with that kind of return on investment, a 10,000% return on investment. Well, that's what he promises us. Can I close with a few questions just to sort of probe your heart? Number one, what is your faith costing you? There are a lot of places throughout the world their faith is costing them their lives what is your faith costing you? What would cause you to deny your faith? Now, let's face it. Uh, the biggest question most of us have is not persecution, but it's what's convenient for me. Is it convenient for me? 
Will, will, will it interfere with the way I use my discretionary money? Will it interfere with how I use my discretionary time? Thirdly, how many people in your sphere of life or your sphere of influence really know you are a believer? Do they really know it? There is a price to be paid for following Christ. And there is a reward, and that reward is guaranteed. I think probably we won't be in heaven for five minutes and we'll be saying, why in the world didn't I love more? Why didn't I pray more? Why did I waste so much of my time, so much of my energy, so much of my money on things, on things that honestly don't even last 10 years much less for eternity. And then number four, how are you using your life? Are, your, are you using your life to build your future or are you using your life to build the kingdom of God? I'm going to end with a quote. Uh, the quote is from Woodrow Wilson. Um, it's one of my favorites, and it's because my dad was named after him. My dad was born the year that Woodrow Wilson became the 28th president. And so, and he was named after Jefferson Woodrow. All of my grandfathers, great-great-grandfathers, five generations back are all Thomas Jefferson or Jefferson Thomas. I'm Jeffrey Thomas. So all of them are Jefferson Thomas or Thomas Jefferson, but he was Jefferson Woodrow, named after Woodrow Wilson. Here's this quote. I love it, and it applies so much to us. I would rather temporarily lose with a cause that will ultimately succeed than temporarily succeed with a cause that will ultimately lose. Well, let me pray for us. After I pray, uh, John McHale is going to come up just for a couple of quick announcements. Let's pray together. Father, the, the reality of this final beatitude is uh, pretty staggering. And, but, Lord, we want our response to be the right response. Help us not just to understand the resource, the, the, the source of this tough time we're going through, the whether it be persecution or being bullied or uh, maybe it's a hard circumstance or even, even being punished. But help us not to retaliate, but to live at peace, not to avenge, and to respond positively, to help us, God, uh, to love and to bless and to do good and to pray for and to forgive. And then just internally, Lord, just to rejoice and be glad and to remember that a reward is great in heaven. Um, Lord, we, we just, we, we so desperately need for you to be number one in our lives, and we want to accept the forgiveness that you offer that was made possible through your son's death on the cross and ultimately through his resurrection from the dead. And we want our lives, Lord, to count for you and to count for your kingdom. Our lives are yours. We pray this in Jesus' precious and most holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Parkview Church. We pray that you are blessed by God's word. For additional teaching, resources, 
podcasts, as well as information on who we are and our upcoming events, please visit our website at www.parkviewchurch.org.